Want to be confident when talking about yourself and explaining what you do? Join my free 21-day confidence building course. You'll learn how to construct a personal elevator pitch, learn how to not be awkward in social situations, how to have awesome conversations, among other important skills to help you crush life. Best of all, it's free. Sign up now at freeconfidencecourse.com. From the C Method, my name is Christina Cantors, and this is Stand Out, Get Noticed, the podcast that helps you communicate with confidence and clarity so you can get what you want in business and in life. To subscribe to the show and download the back catalogue, go to thecmethod.com slash podcast. Hi there, Rockstar. It's Christina here, your favorite ukulele playing podcasting ninja and host, of course. And this is episode 22 of Stand Out, Get Noticed. Thank you so much for taking some time to spend with me today. You could have been doing other things like swimming or cooking or doing your taxes, Ugh! but you chose to spend it with me. So thank you. Now, if you work for a company and want to achieve awesome things. So maybe you uh, you want to get a pay rise or move up to a higher position or simply make a bigger impact in your company, then this episode is for you. Or if you're a leader of people, whether it's in a company or or your own business, this episode is for you too. I am very excited to be sharing this conversation that I had with Belinda Huckle, the Managing Director of Second Nature, which is an executive training firm that specializes in business presentation and communication skills. You can find them at secondnature.com.au. Belinda is passionate about helping people in business be more confident, clear, and compelling when they speak, and she believes that having strong communication and presentation skills is a pivotal success factor for people in business. And I agree. Can't you see how I was so excited to get her on the show? (laughs) Belinda has a wealth of knowledge on the topic, and she has built a very successful training business, which is why I was so humbled that she took the time to have a chat with me. We talk about the benefits of being able to communicate effectively, how to make boring data presentations at work interesting, and why being authentic, especially if you lead people, is so important, plus a lot of other interesting stuff too. Now, I learned a lot from Belinda in this conversation, and I really hope that you do too. So let's get straight to it. You can find show notes for this episode at thecmethod.com slash Belinda. All right, you ready? Let's meet the lovely Belinda Huckle. The story really started 13 years ago, and at the time I was in advertising, enjoying a really stellar career, loving what I was doing, and then I met my husband-to-be, and we got married, and that was all very beautiful. And after six months of marriage, he said to me one morning, you know what, Belinda, the hours that you're working are absolutely insane, and you need to make a decision. Is it going to be advertising or is it going to be me your husband oh my goodness <laughs> uh, yes That's so after six months so what I thought had been a blissful relationship up until that point that was like a really big life jolt for me and of course I made him sweat for a little while but I you know, eventually said look I would like it to be you and me 
And so I thought, well, what else would I love to do with my life? And I realized that I had a real passion for training and coaching, and that had actually naturally evolved as part of my role within advertising. So I thought, you know what, I want to pursue that passion. And then I was incredibly fortunate that I was given a role as general manager of another training and coaching consultancy. Loved my time there, was with that consultancy for five years. And then another life job came along, and that was really driven by clients that were expecting quite rightly uh, more transparency in terms of return on investment and really wanting to make sure that they were getting as much value from the training as possible. And I didn't feel that with the organization that I was with that I could really step up and change things in a way that I thought they could be changed. So I thought, well, you know what, I would like to go out and do it on my own and do it differently and basically shake the industry up, which I thought hadn't really evolved probably since the 1970s. You know, people were still as facilitators, turning up with workbooks, running a workshop, and then basically walking out. And I thought there has to be a smarter way of doing this. And that's when we set up Second Nature, to basically be smarter in the way that we deliver training to you know, our ultimate aim is to really make a sustainable difference to people's presenting and communication skills. So that's the that's story. <laughs> I love that. I love that you just took control and went, nah, I'm going to make things better. When you When you talk about... <laughs> When you talk about the industry, do you are you talking about the training industry as a whole or uh, communication skills, presentation skills training specifically? Presentation and communication skills specifically. I think mm. there's been really great strides in advancing the industry in areas such as leadership training and coaching, but in the presentation and communication skills, it seemed to me like it was really stuck in what people were doing in the 1970s. And that's where I thought we really need to step change this and basically step up. So that's what we tried to do with that. So what was the main problem with, with the way that people were doing it? Um, I wouldn't say that there was necessarily a problem. I would say that clients' expectations had evolved. Right. So clients were no longer happy with trainers and facilitators simply coming along, running a workshop, and then just walking out and expecting that the learning was going to stick. They were wanting uh, their partners to work with them to really, really make sure that there was a, a very successful and sustainable transference of skills from the workshop to the workplace. And that was the bridge that I felt that wasn't being bridged at that, at that time or the gap that wasn't being bridged. And that's where I thought we could begin to do things differently. Mm. So what, what were the, some of the things you did differently that saw uh, an impact? So it's a whole range of things, yeah. So um, no one thing, it's a whole range of small things. So for example, we don't use workbooks, we have this pocket-sized courseware approach. So it means that people have got the learning to a workshop literally in their back pocket at their fingertips. We also do a lot of post-program support. So every person that we work with gets 30 days of one-on-one -on -one coaching with their actual program facilitator as well as lifetime access to our online performance support center, which is a whole suite of resources that they can access forever and a day. We also uh, send people ongoing, what we call remind, refresh, and reinforce email campaign uh, reminders, if you like. So that helps to reinforce and embed the learning. And we do a lot of debriefs with participants' managers. So we actually work with them because they're the people on the ground. Mm. So we actually work with them so they can actually then extend the skills again back into the workplace and help reinforce learning outcomes. 
So as I said, it's a whole range of different things that we do so to really make sure that that transparency is as successful as it possibly can be and ultimately helping to deliver powerful and sustainable presentation and communication skills. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, I know, I know personally, <laughs> from personal experience, you can't just have one session with or learn skills in one in one day and then expect to just all exactly. of a sudden transform because it doesn't happen that way because you know so much of it <clears throat> I find is to do with confidence and that takes time to really build up and you, so I think what you're doing is is phenomenal in terms of making sure that they're actually transferring to the real world is that is that hard to measure like how do how do companies measure whether these skills are actually transferring Ah, that is a an age old question. It's a really, <laughs> it's a really, really challenging question to get metrics around it. Mm. With pitching skills, which we do a lot of work in that space, that's much easier. So, for example, we had a client the other day that told us that their success rate in terms of pitching had gone from thirteen percent to seventy four percent in the three years that wow. we've been working with them as an organisation in terms of win rate, and that equates to billions of dollars for them. So that is, that's fantastic when you can measure that. Uh, but often with presentation communication skills uh, at a more general level, it's much, much, much harder. So a lot of it is anecdotal, uh, and a lot of it is, is things like we have certain methodologies that people use when they train with us, and it's not unusual for a participant to come back to us three or four years after we've worked with them. And they'll say, look, we've been, I've been using this methodology really successfully and I've, and I've lost my link to this tool that, that we have at Second Nature. I've lost my, my link that gives me online access to this tool. Would you mind resending my username and password? So that to me says, you know what, that's absolutely fantastic because this person we know has yeah, been using this approach and this methodology for years and they one day lost their password and they want to go back and reuse it. How fantastic is that? So that type of feedback, you know, we obviously make sure that we uh, give back to the organizations that we work with so that they actually understand that people are using it uh, and it's making a difference for them in terms of their confidence and the clarity and the compellingness of their presentations. But you're right, it's a really, really difficult thing uh, to quantify in a lot of instances. I wish we could find a way of doing that, but as yet, haven't found, <laughs> haven't quite cracked that nut. Yeah. I go to Toastmasters and people have been going there for years. You can, you can see the improvement, but it's just, but like you said, it's anecdotal. Like you just look at someone and go, yes, they seem more confident or they seem smoother in their delivery, yeah. but you can't, you can't put like a figure on that or, or measure it. Cause even giving them a score out of 10 or whatever is going to be subjective. So that's, that's quite, quite difficult. It is. It's really, really hard. And I think you're right. I think a lot of it is when, People within an organization with managers look at their team and they go, actually, you know what? They have so stepped up in terms of the clarity and the confidence of their communications. I can't measure it, but I know that they're doing it nonetheless. And hey, if that's the outcome, I think everybody should be incredibly happy with that. What are the other impacts that you've heard from clients of, of developing strong presentation and communication skills on, the, on their work and, and everything? Ah, I think it's incredibly far-reaching, broad-reaching, if you like. Uh, I, I firmly believe that presentation and communication skills is absolutely essential for people's professional and indeed personal success. And I think that even though some people resist this idea, 
I think we are all in the business of selling ourselves, selling our ideas, selling our contribution. And unless you've got strong presenting and communication skills, it's really hard to be able to sell that. And having those skills ensure that you have a voice at the table. And even though I don't necessarily think it's fair, I think that if you don't have a voice, you don't get heard. And if you're not heard, there's a danger that you're going to be left behind. So I actually think it's a, it's a really uh, pivotal success factor for people in, in business today. It's not the only one, but I think it is a critical success factor nonetheless. Mm. It's one, thing, one thing I find with people is that when I, when I tell them, oh, I, I help people with public speaking, I get a lot of people saying, oh, yeah, I'm terrible at that. And I get the impression that people don't – a lot of people don't actually believe that it's a skill that you can learn and mm. they just – accept that they're bad at it and they don't or they just accept that they get really nervous and that's it because I, I imagine that you so you'd be speaking with you know the managers and the decision makers and they'd say right we've got this group of people that we would that we would like you to train do you deal with people who who have that belief that oh, I, I'm just not good at this and they don't actually believe that they can learn that skill occasionally occasionally I think I think because increasingly people are having to present and show that they can communicate clearly and confidently, even through mm. school nowadays, I think that whilst people might go, I, I'm not great at it, but I do know that there are places that I can go to get, if not good, if not great, at least good at it. So I think, at least in our experience in the business world, there's not that many people that just sort of throw their hands up and say, oh, look, I'm just rubbish. I can never do this. I think it's more, uh, I want to be great at this. Please help me to become the person that I want to be when it comes to being a successful presenter. So that's a great starting point because at least there's a belief that yeah. they can grow and learn. Uh, so, yeah, it's not something that we've come across too, too much, thankfully. That's good, <laughs> yeah. Good so mo so most, people are, most, pe most participants are, are quite willing to, to embrace this sort of training. Then. Yeah. That's good. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Which is, yeah, really, really good. Makes my job easy. If you like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's the, what's the most common thing that you find that people struggle with in business? Hmm. The most common thing that people struggle with is that they do what we call show up and throw up. Okay. <laughs> they they show up and they throw up. They basically get told they need to do a presentation. They get as much information as they possibly can. Uh, there's no structure. There's no story. They deliver it and there's basically no point. And people are just sitting there in meeting rooms going, what was all that about? So a really big challenge for a lot of people is to get them to understand that it's actually, the presentation is not about them and their content. It actually has to be all about the audience. And that's a real mind shift for a lot of people. But once they understand that and they understand the different tools and techniques that they can use to actually tell that audience a really compelling story that has a point and that will make a difference, bingo. All of a sudden, the lights are on. And, you know, if there was one, if there was one thing I could do, you know, right now, if I could wave a, a magic wand, would be that for every single boardroom, every meeting that's happening right now, if I could get everybody to actually be able to tell a compelling story that has a point and makes a difference, oh, hallelujah, that would be like a perfect day. <laughs> <laughs> so no more showing up and throwing up. <laughs> I love that. 
I actually interviewed a, a public speaking coach named Sally Coring Zimney. She's based in America and we talked about storytelling mm-hmm. and she, she teaches people how to tell their origin story. So that's the, the story of how they got to that point. And she encourages people to use that sort of story. What, what sort of story do you encourage people to use if it's in particular in business presentations? Uh, so often the stories aren't personal stories. It's a story about the business or it's a story about what the numbers are saying or it's a story about what consumers or customers are saying. So often that storytelling component takes on a very different flavor when you're in a boardroom as opposed to public speaking. You know, This is actually presenting. And often people will resist that and they'll say, oh, look, I, you know, uh, I'm an accountant. I, I talk numbers. There's no story in that. And I say, I don't want to know about the numbers. I can read the numbers from the spreadsheet. You need to tell me the story about what the numbers are actually telling me. And then people go, oh, okay, now I get it. And I actually think the story is the value that people bring. Because I said, everyone can, can read words on PowerPoint slides or numbers from spreadsheets. Anybody can do that. But the value that a presenter brings is that they can actually bring that information to life by... Uh, showing how those words and those numbers actually are delivering a compelling story. And it's a story that will you know, make the difference and that will make the point and will resonate with the audience at the end of the day. Mm. And be authentic as so, well. So, yeah, so it's uh, different stories. And Sorry, say that again, Christina. I just wanted to touch on authenticity because I know that's a big part yeah. of how you teach. You, you believe that people shouldn't have to be someone else in order to be effective when they communicate. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So one of the other things when we set up Second Nature that we were really passionate about as well as that transference of learning was helping people to understand that there is no right or wrong way when it comes to being a more effective, confident, credible, compelling presenter. For us, it's all about people finding a style that's going to work for them and it needs to be, we believe, a style that reflects their existing communication style which we also believe is an expression of each person's unique personality. So when we're working with people, even in a group workshop situation, a lot of time is spent working with people one-on-one to work out, okay, what are going to be the different tools and techniques? So they're going to really complement the way that you already communicate. And we think that the more that we can help people to develop delivery tools and techniques that complement their existing style, the more that they'll be comfortable actually using those different tools and techniques back in the real world. Uh, And therefore, that's one of the key tenets to helping people to make a sustainable difference to their presenting confidence and effectiveness. So first, it's really about peeling back the layers until we get, so well, really, what's the essence of your personality and how can we help you develop tools and techniques that just really complement that? And, you know, as you said, that's going to be the thing that ensures that people still come across as absolutely genuine and authentic in front of their listeners. Yeah. So it's an exciting process. Yeah, because I'm sure there'd be plenty of people that go, oh, so it's okay to be like this and be myself. That must be really liberating for them. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, a lot of people that we work with are introverts, for example. And when you were talking before about people saying, oh, I don't know if I can ever be a good speaker, it will often be the introverts that will say, look, I'm sure I can learn some stuff, but I don't know if I'm ever really going to be that good at it. And, and our view is, you know what, actually as an introverted, quieter, more reserved type of personality type, absolutely you can be impactful and have presence and command the attention of the listeners. 
you're simply going to do it in a different way to those people that are extroverted and outgoing and loud. So it is all about working out, okay, what's going to work for you personally? Uh, and as you say, it is just incredibly liberating because suddenly people go, oh my goodness, I can still be me <laughs> and be a powerful presenter. Yeah. <laughs> Which is terrific. And a lot of, I've I've heard people who are, you know, professional speakers be interviewed and they say, yes, I'm actually an introvert, but they're just a different type of introvert on stage. They're actually not a big performer, but they can still be really effective as speakers. Have you heard of Sally Hogshead and her work? I haven't. Talk to me about Sally's work. So she is all about helping people be more of their true selves. So she's she's created mm-hmm. a, a personality test and it's called the fascination advantage. She's all about how to fascinate your audience. And mm-hmm. she says that if you can understand how the world sees you when you're communicating at your best, then if you become more of that, then you will be more effective when you're speaking. And um, I did the personality test and it, and it came up, it, come, it gives you three words of, of how you behave when the world sees you at your best. And for me, it was the words were bold, unorthodox, and artistic. And, mm-hmm. and what I learned from her was that if I, if I, actually becoming more of those things and actually being more of that, that's going to be, uh, that's going to show me at my most authentic and that's going to make me most effective. Mm. Um, I just found that really interesting because it, it, in a way it gave me, it made it clear to me that it's actually okay to do more of that. Instead of yeah. trying to be, oh, maybe I should be a bit more, you know, maybe polished or maybe a bit more um, sophisticated in my, you know, in the way that I speak. And, and I thought, <laughs> no, it's actually, I can actually be myself and just be a bit, a little bit crazy and a little, and be a bit creative. And, and that's okay. And, that, and then the people who actually really, Brilliant. you know, the people who actually enjoy that will like me even more. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, what we do is, uh, not dissimilar, albeit there's no level of sophistication around it, but we actually find it's very effective nonetheless. Mm. Is that for every workshop, one-on-one coaching, doesn't matter, we, amongst other things, ask participants to complete a questionnaire. And one of the questions within the questionnaire is getting people to describe their personality when it's at its best at home and also at work. Uh, so we ask them at home and at work because we want to see whether or not there's any difference. And often there is. So often people actually feel like almost leave their personality at the front door yeah. when they go to work, which is kind of frightening. So that insight gives us, if you like, a well of area that we can tap into during the workshop to try to bring some of those elements of their personality which they have at home that maybe they're not bringing to work. But where there is synergy between the two, uh, we actually build on that. So if somebody says that they are naturally a very caring, nurturing type of person, we'll say, okay, well, how can we weave that element of your personality into your presenting style? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, actually, God, how easy is this? And sometimes that, that exposure, if you like, that personal vulnerability that we bring as presenters can be... Uh, incredibly, I think, powerful in terms of engaging audiences. So it's not dissimilar to what you're saying Sally is doing, uh, but we do it in a slightly different way. And I I think it's a very powerful source of information to help people Mm. actually feel they've got permission to be themselves. Yeah. Do you find people really (laughs) struggle to show vulnerability? 
Oh, yes, yes. Uh, and certainly the more skinny you go, the more challenging that can be. But when you get senior leaders to open up and talk about other leaders that they admire and that they respect, more often than not, amongst other attributes, will be some reference to that that openness to that, they don't know everything all the time, it's okay to ask for help. And uh, when they start thinking about what they admire in other people, it then becomes a far easier conversation to say to them, okay, so then maybe actually the people that you lead would like to see some of that in you. And then that gets them reflecting yeah. and thinking, okay, well, yeah, maybe, maybe actually I can do this without it being seen as a sign of weakness. And once you open that door, uh, it just opens up so many opportunities again in terms of bringing to life different aspects of their personality when they're presenting. And that's just fabulous to see, particularly, as I said, with senior leaders. That's, that transformation is yeah, amazing, I think. Yeah. Just um, for, so for the person listening to this who is working, say, in a large company and they feel like they're a slightly different person at work or maybe they're not their true authentic selves just in their day-to-day work life. Do you have, do you have a, a tip that you could share with them to maybe help them be a little bit more authentic at work? Mm-hmm. Tough question. I would say the one thing is play to your strengths. Understand what those strengths are and, and play to them. Don't try to be the person that you're not because I know from experience if you do that, every day you're going to end up feeling, and this is going to sound very strong, but I think there's a real danger that every day you can end up feeling like a failure. Gone all throughout the day trying to be somebody that you're actually not, which is, which is not sustainable. You can't ever achieve that. So understand who you are and, and play to your strengths and know that you're never going to please all the people all the time and that's fine, that's just life. But be true to yourself. Mm. And then going back to the vulnerability thing, that then requires a little bit of vulnerability to say, hey, I can't actually do all of this. Can, 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 you, can you help me yeah. with this? Because this is not my strong point. Absolutely. Yeah, totally agree with that. For yourself, Belinda, what, what was something that early on in your career, obviously you've been doing this for a really long time. Do you remember back back in the day when you yourself – struggled a bit maybe with speaking to a group or you know maybe the first time you ran a session and you didn't know what to expect what was what was something that you <laughs> that you did to, that helped you overcome that nervousness overcome that. yeah oh, i remember very clearly i had a a boss when i was in advertising not long before i left and she was amazing uh she was incredibly bright articulate uh, clients absolutely loved her, creatives absolutely loved her. And she was a real role model, a real role model and, uh, and a high achiever. And we used to have to present a lot together. And in the lead up to every single one of these presentations that I used to have to deliver with her, I would be so nervous. And I remember doing a presentation with her and just walking out of the out of the boardroom and just wanting to burst into tears. I felt so inadequate Aww. next to her. And 
And I really began to analyze that and go, why, why, why am I feeling like this? Because I'm naturally a really confident, bubbly, talkative, down-to-earth kind of a person. So why am I feeling so terrible all of a sudden? And the penny dropped. It was as simple as I was trying to literally walk in her actual shoes. And I realized I could never walk in those shoes because they're just not my kind of shoes. <laughs> I have to find I have to find my own shoes, and that means finding my own voice and my own style and doing it in my way. And not everybody might like my way, but it's okay. It has to be, though, my way. And that was uh, the big penny that, you know, dropped with a huge splash on my suddenly just felt incredibly liberated. Now, that's not to say that I woke up the next day and found my style and everything was hunky-dory after that. That's not how it worked. <laughs> but I suddenly had permission to go, you know, I can explore and experiment and work out what does work for me, as opposed to every day trying to walk in somebody else's shoes and then not fitting. So that was, I suppose, one of those uh, experiences that I've always walked around with in the back of my mind, and I often share that story with uh, with people that I think might be struggling for perhaps similar reasons. So yeah, it's good to have those moments in life, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think realizing that you're not going to please everyone and that's okay, I think that's, that's quite a powerful realization. It is, yeah. Uh, and it's not to say that you deliberately want to go out there and, you know, try, try to piss people off, but you just have to be comfortable in your skin every day. Otherwise, I just think life would be, uh, yeah, just challenging. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> well, I think you've what you've created and what you're doing is is absolutely amazing. It's definitely something that's that's needed in the world. I, I speak to a lot of people in different industries, and they all say you know, they don't teach us these sorts of skills at school or university, yet it's, mm-hmm. and the people that have ha- had undergone independent training with communication skills, they say that it's helped them so, so much. And it amazes them that they don't teach that in school. And it was like that when I was doing architecture, they just mm. sort of threw us up there and said, go present. But they didn't actually teach us how to do it. So... <laughs> I know, and even though it's a really, really well-worn analogy, I think it's still incredibly relevant. It is like learning how to drive a car. You know, nobody would just, you know, on somebody's 18th birthday, buy them a car, give them some car keys and say, right, jump in that car and away you go. That would be suicide. In the same way, it's exactly the same we think with presenting. It's not something that uh, people are born with in terms of a skill. They might have confidence, but not necessarily skill in the area. It is, as you were saying before, it's something that everybody can learn. Uh, and are we all going to be Formula One drivers? No, not necessarily. But can we all learn how to drive and be confident and competent at doing it? Yes, absolutely, 100%. Mm. As long as we haven't been drinking beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's often a question people ask us. Oh, you know, how about a stiff whiskey beforehand? It's like, no, that's probably not going to work. Would you do that before driving? <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, Belinda, thank you. Yeah, good parallel. <laughs> Belinda, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you um, having a chat with me. It's been really inspiring. My pleasure. <laughs> My pleasure and uh, absolutely a privilege. And I think the, the role that uh, you and I are in is an absolute privilege. So every day I wake up being thankful that I've been given this opportunity to work with some really fantastic, amazing and very brave people. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a wonderful place to be. 
Thanks again to Belinda Huckle of Second Nature for sharing her stories and wisdom with us this week. One thing she said that I'd like to highlight actually now is, is when she said that if you don't have a voice, you don't get heard. And if you don't get heard, there's a danger you're going to get left behind. And I think this applies to any level that you're at, whether you're working as part of a team or whether you're leading a team or whether in, you're in a senior management position. So my challenge to you this week is to look for those opportunities where you can be heard, whether it's speaking up in a meeting or volunteering to, to run a meeting or to do a presentation, or maybe it means putting a bit of extra thought into your next presentation and really working hard to create a compelling story so that people aren't just sitting there listening, they're actually hearing what you're saying. So that's your challenge this week. You can get in touch with Belinda at secondnature.com.au and I'll also put links in the show notes at thecmethod.com slash Belinda. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, I would love it if you could leave a quick rating or review in iTunes. The show has just been growing and growing. I'm up to about 8,000 downloads at this point, and we're in mid-August, which is really cool considering it's only been a few months. And by leaving a review, you enable the show to be seen by more people, so that'll help the show to grow. So I would really appreciate that. Now, if you don't know how to leave a review, just visit thecmethod.com slash iTunes for instructions. There's screenshots there for you to follow and also a fun video for you to watch if that's more your jam. If you don't know what to write, here's a review that was left by Jersey H. Jersey H writes, Christina brings informative, accessible and entertaining content to every podcast and blog post. Each session outlines a communication tool you can easily relate to your own experiences and begin to use immediately. I was lucky enough to meet Christina at a marketing meetup and she is the real deal. Genuine and authentic, the C method will really clear your path to confident communication today. Thanks, Christina, for the lesson and the laughs, XX. Aw, thanks, Jersey. And yes, we did meet at a marketing meetup. And Josie, you are lovely too. And thank you so much for leaving that review. I really, really appreciate it. Alrighty, and that wraps up episode 22. What song do I have for you today? It's Call Me by Blondie. A little bit of a retro theme going for you. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you have a fabulous week. Keep on being awesome. My name is Christina Canters, and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. Call me off your color chart. I know where you're coming from. Call me. On the line, call me, call me any, any time. It's Christina, your favorite ukulele podcast host. Call me.